amen and amen. We are in a series called The Simple Gospel. The Simple Gospel. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and just tell them, don't overcomplicate it. Turn to the person behind you just say, don't complicate it. In a world, in a culture that is ever-changing, your truth is my truth. Every religion's kind of cool, right? We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he's the only way to heaven. That for such a time as this, where Facebook and news media and Fox News and CNN and the election happening, all of that stuff, we're getting truth from all these different places, but we believe that there's a capital T truth, and it all comes back to Jesus Christ. And today is Baptism Sunday, and as I preach this word to you this morning, I I want you to know that when we baptize three people later, can we get up for that? Come on. When we baptize three people, there'll be ten people baptized in the last ten months here at One Church, and all glory goes to the Lord. But this word about the resurrection, everybody say the resurrection. resurrection. Baptism is a demonstration of the power of the resurrection. It's not just a story that we tell our kids. It's not just for Easter time. But the power of the resurrection can take someone who is a slave and make them free. That the power of the resurrection can make someone who is a drug dealer be clean and be sober. That the power of the resurrection can take someone who is broken and confused about their identity and find confident truth in Jesus. Are you with me? So we want to take a moment over the next now two weeks after today to just say, what is the simple gospel? What is the simple truth? Jesus crucified, raised three days later, sending his Holy Spirit. What does this message mean for us today? And we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. But the title of my sermon is this, Raised to Life. Raised to Life. The book of Acts. Anybody read Acts before? Long story short, it's one of my favorites. Am I allowed to have a favorite? I like the book of Acts In college at Indiana Wesleyan, actually, I took a class on Luke and Acts. That was amazing. But the book of Acts is literally the story of the Acts of the Apostles. That when Jesus rose, when when the tomb was empty, when they figured out that, that this is really the truth, the capital T truth, that Jesus really is sovereign, he really is fully God, fully man. He appeared to his disciples, right? And there's all these eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. You know what I'm talking about? But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, I'm going to send my spirit. Do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to come upon you in power. Everybody say power. He says, you'll be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But we're going to fast forward to Acts chapter 19. And the apostle Paul, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the Christian faith, he, he walks into this situation where these believers at Ephesus are only really following half of the gospel. Just turn to your, turn to your neighbor and just tell them, it's the full story. See, see, in Acts chapter 19, these group of believers, they only knew half of the story. They only got half of the fullness of the gospel. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 19. It says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Some of us maybe have grown up Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? Some of you are like, okay, I'm I'm dissing you for the rest of the sermon now. You just said that, okay? But we serve a God that is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So they say, what what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Verse 4. 
Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who is coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. This is a fulfillment of Acts chapter 1, that the Holy Spirit would come upon people. I heard someone say it like this. The Holy Spirit is, everybody say, in you. The Holy Spirit is in you for you. That when you are confused and broken and scared and fearful, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a counselor. That when you believe in Jesus, it says you are baptized into the body of Christ. That you now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Okay, I got three people with me this morning. All right, great, all right. But the Holy Spirit is on you. Everybody say, on you. The Holy Spirit is upon you for others. That the power of the Holy Spirit would go beyond our words, our emotions, our thoughts, even the best way that we could try to defend our faith to an atheist. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power for miracles and signs and wonders to prove and to confirm that this message, Christ crucified, buried, resurrected, is actually true. And so this is what happens. They only knew half the story. They said, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. We only knew that the gospel had to do with repentance. Repentance. So here's the first point this morning. Whether you're watching online or in the room with us, number one is this. A half gospel is a lifeless gospel. Probably asking, what do do I mean by this? I watched a movie recently called Father Stew. Anybody know that movie? Now it is rated R, so for all the kids watching online, we have kids... Maybe talk to your parents, bright time, okay, all that, all right. But this is a really interesting movie because it's based on a true story. Mark Wahlberg, okay, that man's an amazing actor. Can we agree on that? Mark Wahlberg, <sighs> love that man. He was in a lot of movies I watched like pre-Jesus before I got converted. I'm like, I probably shouldn't watch that anymore. Are you with me? But he's just an amazing actor. I love him. He is hilarious. And in this movie, he plays the role of a Catholic priest. Pretty interesting. You're like, Mark Wahlberg, Catholic priest. Okay, yes. But what's really interesting, and I'm not here to hate on the Catholic tradition. Hear me very clearly. If you're watching online, maybe you've come from a Catholic background. There's so many God-fearing, amazing Catholic believers. Are you with me, okay? But in this movie, it's interesting how they depict the Catholic tradition of Christianity. And they actually show story after story of these people going into, I don't know what you call it, but into these confession moments where they're repenting, where the priest is on the other side of that screen, of that you know open wall. Are you with me? And they show situation after situation, and, and, and it's real, it's raw. I mean, there's people that are confessing some really deep, dark secrets of sin. But what's interesting about the movie is I felt like as I watched it with my wife, it stopped at repentance. That... that when the end of the movie kind of finished, I felt like the majority of it was just about the first half of the gospel. But a half gospel is a lifeless gospel. Hang with me for a second. In other words, I'd say it like this. Our American gospel, prophetically, culturally, if we're going to look at the history of Christianity in America, I think it often stops at the cross. Now, the cross is the symbol of Christ's Christianity. Are you with me? For a reason, because it's salvation. In Acts, they say, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes and amen. But I think in America, we often stop at the cross. So let's come back to the scripture here, Acts 19. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. 
Paul said John's baptism, let's say this all together, was a baptism of repentance. Repentance. I want to show you an illustration. Maybe you're a visual person. Maybe you don't just think and, and, and internalize audibly. But I think this is where the American gospel stops. Some of us, if you're watching online or in the room, maybe the cross has been a symbol to you that's been abused. Maybe you've grown up in a church or maybe been in a small group where a pastor or a leader, you see a cross and maybe you even get internally offended. I don't know where you're coming from. Or maybe you're the type of person watching online or in the room where you're like, man, I need to see more crosses. We need to have them more everywhere, right? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning exactly. But I really think culturally, as we look at America, we stop at the story of how man has rebelled and we must repent. You ever been on your way to a Colts game or a Pacers game? What are those signs on the side of the road as you're walking down to the game? What does it say? Parking. (laughs) That's great. Man, give it up for that. Come on. I'm going to take a drink of my water. And let's be honest, the parking is usually like $95 an hour. So it's like, okay, maybe I can parallel park like three streets down. But maybe if it doesn't say parking, you often see people with signs that say what? Repent. Repent. What else did I hear? Uh Uh-oh. Okay, need tickets. Anybody actually buying tickets from the need tickets people? Okay, Okay, I don't know. But for me, I can't tell you how many Pacer games I've been to. Almost seen every NBA team play the Pacers. I'm almost there, okay? But I love the Pacers. I'm wearing a Chicago Bulls hat. You're like, whatever. You're not a real Pacers fan. Yes, I am. Ask Ben Sparrow. But I walk downtown Indianapolis, and I have so many times seen repent, repent, repent. And my fear is that if our gospel is just about repentance, then it's half of the story. And we're trying to convert people to half of the story. Repent, repent. You know heaven and hell are on the line. Yeah, we we believe that. We believe eternity is on the line. We believe that there is no neutral spot where you will be placed in eternity, that you will go to heaven or hell. We believe that here. But repentance is just the first part of the story. So go to the next graphic here. This is the part that we often miss in our gospel, the story of the resurrection, the story of relationship with God. So here's how I'd say, are you ready for this? Faith that's built on repentance and not relationship is legalism. Like, like just think about that for a second. In other words, is your faith this morning built on rules or relationship with God? Because a lot of us, Our view of Christianity is just the cross. Oh, don't get me wrong. The cross is everything. It's salvation. It is literally Jesus' life poured out for you and I. He took a crown of thorns. He was pierced to two pieces of wood. He died the penalty that we deserve so that we could have salvation. Be right with God. Are you with me? Right? That's good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news. But... Faith that's just built on repentance. I just want to be right with God. I just want to make sure I kind of make it in. And it's kind of built on, well, as long as I like try to clean up my language and I, I try not to have sex before marriage and like all of these things, like I, I really think a lot of people leave the faith because it was built on just rules. And they never knew that there was a God that unconditionally loved them, that was vulnerable before they ever were, that was tortured on their behalf publicly humiliated on the cross. 
So let's take it in reverse. Faith that's built on the resurrection without repentance leads to the prosperity gospel. Think about that for a second. A lot of us want the resurrection and relationship with God without the repentance. And what that leads to is, whatever I want, God, you are kind of my genie. You're kind of my slot machine. I kind of only pray when my car won't start. Are you with me? I'm I'm being real. God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And and that's great. And I, I know I've been there. We all need miracles. But God wants so much more than just to be your miracle in time of need. He wants to be your father. He wants you to have relationship with him, to talk to him as one speaks to a friend. But we overcomplicate it. We make it about a bunch of rules. We make it about a bunch of tradition. We make it about a bunch of religion. And Jesus said, I love you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I died for you. But it does start with repentance. It does start with, Lord, like there is nothing I could do to buy my way into heaven. There isn't anything I could say. There isn't any type of clothes I could wear. It is unconditional. It says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Are you with me? So we repent. We say, Father, there's nothing I could do but forgive me for my sins, salvation. But that's only half the story. That Jesus rose three days later. Are you with me? And he invites us through the Holy Spirit to be in relationship with him. But if we've just heard... God as judge and not God as father. Our faith is probably built on legalism. We probably don't think the gospel is abundant because we're living by the rules and not by the spirit. So let's go to a different text to help me unpack this a little bit more. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is still the apostle Paul speaking. He's now talking to a young leader, Timothy. And he's saying, Timothy, there's just a few things I want you to know before I put you into full leadership Let me just tell you, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Anybody believe we're living in the last days? That Jesus will return again? Come on. People will be lovers of themselves. Whoa, let's just pause there. How much of our truth today is people saying, look inward, find yourself? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But here's the part I want you to really grasp. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. See, I've heard people say this. A lot. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. You, you bring up Christianity. Oh, I'm religious. I'm religious. We're not talking about, are you religious this morning? We're not talking about how many times you've been to Catholic Mass to buy your way into heaven this morning. We're not talking about how many times you kept reading your Bible. We're talking about, are you in an intimate, real relationship with Jesus? Where you actually have trusted in him, not only to be your Savior in time of need, but to be your Lord. Many of us have wanted God to just be Savior, but not our Lord. Like, Jesus, I'm kind of cool with, like, as long as I go to heaven one day, I got my ticket out of hell, then, like, I'm pretty much good, right? Like, I've been baptized, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. There's so much more to this. Like, that's just the first step. That is the bare minimum of what he wanted for us. He wanted abundant life for us. So there's two different ways to unpack this. And you might think this is cliche. I think it's cliche for a reason. 
Religion versus relationship. Is the God that you picture, well, he's just kind of one of the religions. I'm kind of trying out the different religions. No, no, no. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There are so many empires that will come and they will fall. So many new age meditation teachings that you're probably seeing on Netflix looking for truth. Jesus cuts through all of that. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrected Savior. He is the Holy One. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the only way. But it's not religion. It's not a bunch of rules to try to get your way into heaven. It's having a relationship with Jesus. 1 John 5.12 cuts through all of this. It says this, Whoever has the Son, just see how clear and black and white this is. Whoever has Jesus has life. Whoever does not have Jesus does not have life. Wow, that's clear. That's simple. That you either know Jesus or you don't. Jesus even says this. I know I'm stepping on toes, but he says in Matthew 7, there will come a day when many of us meet God face to face and we say, Lord, Lord, man, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we feed the poor down the street? He, he might say to some of us, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. It wasn't about works. It wasn't about how many times you did this. It was all about relationship. I remember a specific time in high school, just being real with you, I was caught up in the party scene, similar to Jackson's story. In freshman, sophomore, junior year in high school, uh, a lot of the guys on the basketball team, they, they were into drugs. They were into marijuana, and I, I, I fell into peer pressure. And I remember one time I was at a party at one of my friends' house, and I had been smoking that night. I remember walking to the bathroom, and I remember looking into the mirror, and I just remember looking into my eyes, and I just looked dead. I remember. It haunts me to this day because I remember how dead I was in that moment. See, this is what the gospel says. I love this quote from one of my favorite artists. The gospel doesn't make bad people good. It makes dead people alive. This isn't about becoming a better person. This isn't about you buying your way into heaven. Let me just make sure I go to church just enough. No, no, no. This is about you're either dead in sin or you are alive in Christ. It's just that simple. Isn't that beautiful and like terrifying at the same time? Right? But praise be to God, that's the difference between Jesus and every other world religion. This isn't about becoming a better person. No, no, no. That's actually a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. That when you realize this is all about every say relationship. Come on, just make sure, making sure you're awake. When you know this is about relationship and you live by the Holy Spirit, this is no longer about obligation. This is all about opportunity. Whoa, wait, wait. The Holy Spirit's in me. I am forgiven. And now I want to bless people. I want to read my Bible. Yeah, there's days that I don't feel like it. But this is a joy. This is not a chore. I remember, you guys, the days my parents dragged me out of bed to go to church. This is your pastor talking. Okay? Eighth grade, we were going to Grace Church. I'm telling you, my mom was like throwing those sheets off me. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, you're going, right? But I remember, I rebuked this fly in Jesus' name. Uh, I remember it always happens at the best times. You know, it's interesting. But I remember when, when Christianity to me was just a religion. I had no idea it was about a relationship with God. I remember even deeper, recently, I was at my grandma's funeral. I don't know if you've lost a loved one recently. I was at my grandma's funeral. She was a believer. Her name was Margie. She was super close to me. 
Like, I, I lost one of my prayer warriors. And she would be the type of person where I'm, like, under spiritual warfare at 2 a.m., and I'm like, Grandma, I just need you to pray for me. She's like, I'm up. I'm praying for you right now. You know what I mean? It's like, why are you up? She's, she's watching. She was watching the Australian Open. She loves tennis, so whatever. You know, they're always playing at 2 a.m. So why do I share this? I remember on a real note, like, at her funeral, I remember, like, looking over to the casket, and, like, her body was there, but, like, she wasn't. You know that feeling especially as someone you love. And what's so beautiful is right now, you guys, Margie is not dead. She's alive. She is more alive than she has ever been in her entire life. Why am I telling you this this morning? The resurrection proves that Christ didn't just die for us. He defeated death. If we're just preaching repentance, well, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. No, no. He didn't just die for you. He rose so you could be freed from the power of sin. That you wouldn't just have salvation. You would have transformation. Are you with me? But we believe this soft gospel. John 3.3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are. What does it say? Born again. Have you heard that before? Are you born again? Right, it's probably an old televangelist. Are you born again? You watching on the TV right now? You're gonna Okay, I'm not gonna go into that. All right. <laughs> then they magically ask you to give large amounts of money at the end. Isn't that interesting? Okay, I don't know. That's just interesting to me. John 3 3. Unless you are born again. But Jesus didn't just die so you could be forgiven. He rose so you could be free. And I'm, it breaks my heart, honestly. The reason why this message means so much to me is because I see so many people stopping at forgiveness. Well, Jesus forgave me. Like I said, the prayer, this wasn't about a prayer. This was about you giving your entire life to follow Jesus, to surrender everything to him, for the joy set before him, right? He endured the cross. He freed us. 1 Corinthians 15, feel the weight of the resurrection that Paul speaks to right here. And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then why in the world would I have a microphone right now? I shouldn't even be up here. There's no point, is what Paul's saying. He says, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, verse 15. And more than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead. Now, let me just share a quick quote with you for a second. One of my other favorite artists, he says this, if I'm wrong about God, then I wasted my life. But if you're wrong about God, you wasted your eternity. Think about that. And some of us, we might be even thinking as as I'm saying this, prove it. You don't know the resurrection. Have you? you ever heard of Lee Strobel? Anybody? So, so there's this guy who is an ex-atheist. His mission was to disprove the resurrection. You know what he's doing right now? On a world tour of book sales of him telling about how he met Jesus. Lee Strobel. Look up The Case for Christ. I think it's still on Netflix. If you are doubting your faith right now, look into his story. He literally was calling people in Jerusalem. Hey, let me, let me just make sure. Like, I'm, he literally tried to write an article in the Chicago Journal, whatever they called it, to disprove in the 1980s the resurrection. And he was wrong. He met God. Go look into that. But it continues on. So, verse 15, more than that, we are found to be false witnesses. We have testified about God. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Whoa, 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 wait. Let's just catch this for a second. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're still in our sins. Wow. Like, like that's weighty. If we're only preaching just the cross and not the resurrection. Are you with me? No, no, no. Jesus rose so that we wouldn't live in this poverty gospel mindset. Well, I'm just always struggling and repenting. No, he rose. He sent his Holy Spirit so we could live in victory. In victory over every evil spirit in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. There's going to be moments like Jesus said, hey, pick up your cross and follow me. But he's also given us his spirit to walk with us, to walk in victory. As Isaiah says, to walk in perfect peace as we keep our mind on him. Here's the second point this morning. Number two, the gospel is not just salvation, it's transformation. I remember seeing this commercial recently. I was watching the Pacers play. They've got the best local commercials in the world. I know I'm already making somebody laugh. Hope Plumbing, anybody ever seen that? Okay, no sh- hey, no shame if you're Hope Plumbing. But don't you love, like, the local commercials? You can tell, like, some of them have been, like, filmed on an iPhone. You're like, gosh, I love this. This isn't, like, a bunch of fake stuff. You with me? All right. But, you know, there's this commercial that comes on over and over, and it's all about IUPUI. And it's this lady saying, hey, when I went to college, all of my my friends and family, they were telling me to find myself. Find yourself. Look inward into that deep spiritual place, Right? Find yourself. That that, that couldn't be anything further from the truth of the gospel. But we live in a self-absorbed, self-indulging, self-glorifying culture right now. We are looking inward and inward. If I can just find, Jesus says, the truth is outside of you. It's in me. There's an identity. There's an inheritance. There's a beautiful truth that he's already spoken into your life. So, Jesus says this very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Verse 25, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who tries to find the truth inside of themselves will lose their life. But anyone who hates their life, what they're saying is to give up their life, to recognize that Jesus is the truth, they will keep it for eternal life. I know I'm going to step on toes with this one, but I just feel like it needs to be said for the culture we're living in. The best form of self-discovery is self-denial. And I'm not saying, I hate myself, I'm denying myself, I'm the worst. That's called false humility. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying, oh, my life is just terrible, I'm denying myself. No, Jesus says, set aside your flesh and let me fill you with the Spirit because the flesh is not what's going to give you life, but my Holy Spirit will save you, rejuvenate you, refresh you, reconnect you back to the Lord. So C.S. Lewis says like this, give up yourself and you will find your real self. A really beautiful part about baptism. You remember Jesus' baptism? Okay, nobody. All right, cool. I, I remember, all right, all right. Hey, it's that part in the sermon where you're like, I'm sick of raising my hand and talking back to you, so just let me be. Okay, I'll do the call and response to myself. All right, so... So C.S. Lewis says, give up yourself, you'll find your real self. Jesus, at his baptism, what, what does the Father say over him? This is my son whom I love, whom I am well pleased with. What is happening in this moment? Why am I talking about give up yourself? What's happening in this moment is identity 
is being deposited. Now, theologically, we know Jesus is fully God and fully man. So that'll take us a long time to unpack. Okay, so why did the Father speak identity? If he's already God, we can talk about that over coffee. But I think the Lord is showing that baptism is when we remember our identity in Christ. That you don't have to go searching for it under a rock. You don't have to try it out. But God is so good that before the beginning of time, he spoke it and he loves you. He's given you an identity. Galatians 2.20 says it like this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I just love the simplicity of this, don't you? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who didn't try to convert me to a bunch of rules, but, but he loved me. He gave his life for me. See, the gospel, just to say it plain is this, the gospel is not just a call to die, it's a call to live. Come and live. Jesus says, I've come to bring abundant life. I want to put up the graphic again just to bring it back to the illustration here. Salvation and transformation. We just talked about that. This is moving from, okay, Jesus has forgiven me, but now I want to follow him. In other words, we can put up this phrase, I'm forgiven and I've actually changed. But for so many of us culturally, the gospel is just I'm forgiven. No, no, the good news of Jesus, he was crucified, buried, resurrected, is so that we could not only be saved, but stand here today, and you're going to see in these testimonies to say, I've actually witnessed the power of God in my life. I'm not, an act, I'm not an addict anymore. Yes, I do face those temptations, but I'm free. Like, there's this story that I'll never forget, man. I was on a plane in 2015 talking to someone who was a drug dealer. And the Lord just happened to place me right next to him on the plane. We talked, to, we talked at the gate. And, and I just start sharing, you know, the love of Jesus. I'm not trying to force anything. I'm just hearing his story. He's telling me, like, how much he's been, uh, you know, just deep into drugs. And on the plane, he gives his life to Jesus. Crazy. Insane. Yeah, we can still clap for that. Matt Crego, if you're watching this, he might watch later. He lives in Jacksonville, Florida. And I remember this because he called me about three days later. I swear it was like three days. He says, Andy, I want you to know I threw away all the drugs in my house. Like, I want to live for God. So just hang with me for a second. What he was saying, I know all the kiddos are coming. Just welcome the kids one time. You know, you're all looking over there. You don't care about what I'm saying right now. What he was saying is, I'm not just forgiven. I've actually changed. Are you with me? So Romans 12, 2, what's it like this? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. B, what does it say? transformed by the renewing of your mind. But the, the hard part about this is a lot of us remember when our mind was renewed just on baptism day. Hang with me for a second. Because some of you, and I, I was there just even a few days ago, you're following Jesus. He is Lord and Savior. But there are just some days that you wake up and you just feel dead. Are you with me? Like, you just feel like, I don't want to do anything today. That's the flesh and the spirit battling, right? That there's an evil attack on our life. But here's what's so beautiful, is the renewing of our mind is not just a one-time thing. What the Bible is saying is, you are saved, you are raised in Christ, but now you need to get on your knees daily before Him. And this isn't a legalistic thing. If it wasn't every day this week, it's okay, all right? But what the Lord is saying is, Get back on your knees and let me renew your mind again. 
Let me refresh your mind again, not just on your baptism day, but daily opening up the word before your father. Are you with me? I'm just trying to teach you. So be transformed by the renewing of your minds. I want to skip more towards the end. Number three, and we'll be done in just a second. So how does this connect to baptism? Number three, we are buried in Christ's death. We are raised in his resurrection. Isn't that good news? That this isn't just a story, but this is actually something that God says, I want you to participate in this with me. First Corinthians 15 tells us that when Jesus returns, even though my grandma is in perfect peace with Jesus, she will get a new body, a glorified, resurrected body. Are you with me? That's amazing. We're not just going to be a bunch of souls floating around in heaven. We will have new bodies, the new heaven, the new earth. So Colossians 2.12 says this. We've been buried with him in baptism. Baptism is a sign to say, I am letting my old self die. The old addictions, the old pornography, the old cheating and manipulating and lying. I am burying that in the grave in Jesus' name. And I am coming back up out of the water as a demonstration that I am a new creation in Christ. Are you with me? So to say it simply, like I said before, baptism is evidence of the power of the resurrection. Another way to say it would be this. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. So I heard a pastor say it like this. Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? No. Some of you are like, I'm walking out. Oh, no, right? No, no, we are saved by grace through faith. Remember the, the thief on the cross next to Jesus? He, he says, I haven't been like a, a good person my entire life, but I'm hanging on this cross next to the Savior. Would I just be able to be with you? He says, yes, you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't go get baptized. Are you with me? But baptism is the next step of obedience. So this pastor I was listening to the other day on YouTube, he said, if you're in love with someone, why wouldn't you want to take a next step with them? Like, like, I'm in love with my wife. She is the most beautiful human I have ever met. Can you give it up for Lienza, wherever she is in the room? She's amazing. Like, like, yes, if we don't go on date night every single week, like, we're going to have some conversations, right? But what I'm trying to say is this. If you are in love with Jesus, you want to take that next step. You don't want to put it off for six years. You don't want to put it off for a decade. That is your next step. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. You rose for me. And I want to not keep it a private faith. See, someone said in this tank, they said, if Jesus was killed for me publicly, how could I live for him privately? Renee Hagens, if you're watching that online, one of the most beautiful quotes I've ever heard. If Jesus was killed for us publicly, how could we live for him privately? Baptism is a moment to say, I'm going public with my faith. And I'm unashamed that Jesus has changed my life. I'm unashamed that there is no new age meditation. There is no drug. There is no new teaching. But it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that he has made me a new creation, that I have been raised, resurrected. The old self has been buried. The new self is alive in Christ. Are you with me? Thank you, Easton. Come on. It's so beautiful. And so we're going to do that this morning. And the last thing I want to put up on the screen is this. Baptism gives you a new story to tell. The resurrection gives us a new story to tell. And what's so cool about baptism is as I walk down in just a moment to baptize three people, this is what we call a testimony. 
This isn't just a story. This isn't like, oh, that's cute. I saw. No, this is a testimony that they're being raised from death to life. And my prayer, I even pray this right now, that, that this would not just stop here. But if you're in the room this morning, matter of fact, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes with me. If there's anyone in the room this morning that is hearing the good news of the gospel and they want to give their life to Jesus this morning, to publicly declare that he is Savior and Lord. Is there anyone in the room? Just raise your hand if that's you right now. Anyone want to make that decision this morning? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll just give you a moment to respond. says today is the day of salvation don't wait don't push it off but today is the day if you want to make that decision this morning just lift your hand high so I can see it thank you and for anyone in this room you profess to be a believer but maybe you feel like you've just been living half the story. It's just been about a bunch of rules and rituals and religion, but today you want to live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, the freedom of simple relationship with God, and as a byproduct, obeying Him and following Him. Anyone in the room that's already a believer, just raise your hand if that's you. Anyone that, that just needs to be broken off of you this morning, I see your hand. Anyone else? Father, bless the believers this morning that want to make that change in their life. They can't do it in their own strength. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you break off all the chains, the yoke that is heavy and replace it with the burden that is light, the yoke that is easy. Make their feet like the feet of a deer. Give them freedom in this place, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Would you give the Lord one more shout of praise? All right. Let's baptize some people. Let's let's dunk some folks. All right. So first off, we got uh, Josh Clark, wherever he's at. Give it up for Josh Clark, y'all. Come on, brother. The guys are like, you don't need to hold my hand. You're fine, right? All right. So... Josh and I went to school together. Chris, we all went to Westfield together. Chris graduated a few years before us. And I've had the pleasure of knowing Josh just through school. We went to the same college together, which is crazy. Uh, But one thing I've always seen in Josh is he is an evangelist. Everywhere this man goes, whether he is at Lowe's, whether he is on the basketball court, whether he is doing fantasy football, that man is sharing the truth of how God has changed his life. And uh, I admire that about you, man. I believe that God's going to use you in the workplace, in the sports arena, in places you've never even dreamed of, just continue to make an impact. Um, But is there a testimony you want to share this morning? So um, I often tell people I was born in the church, um, but more often than not, I didn't live like it. I never lived like it. Um, But the last four years, I felt called to get baptized, but I kept putting it off. Um, partially, I don't like all you people looking at me like this. Um, but mostly because I didn't feel worthy. Um, felt that I sinned too much. 
that I needed to become a better Christian before I could do this. Um, I had some checklist to fill out before I could come ask to be baptized. But uh, a couple months ago, I saw one of my own students in my small group get baptized as a senior, a 16-year-old kid. Um, and I was like, it, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be worthy of the love that I know God has for me. Um, so if there's anybody else out there that feels that, that they're not worthy, you need to be good enough, you have to do all these things, it's not about that, and it's literally opposite of why I'm here. Um, it, I'm doing it because I know I'm not worthy, and I need him in order to, in order to be in heaven with him one day. I, I need him. I'm denying myself um, is what I want to do. So that's, that is why I'm here. One of the things we love to do at One Church is we love to pray for them. So would you just old school style stretch out your hand toward Josh. Father, we thank you for Josh in Jesus' name. That he is an evangelist. That he is a fisher of men. That just as you have won him, Jesus, he is going to win so many souls to the kingdom and already has. But Lord, more than anything, I thank you that he's not even defined by what he does. But he is defined as a son of God. Chosen. Called accepted and known. And so, Lord, we just pray that from here on out, first off, we rebuke the power of the evil one. We say in Jesus' name, he has no power over Josh's life, that no weapon formed against Josh will prosper. And we thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is in him. And I pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon him so that he would live in victory, that he would be a witness and a light everywhere he goes. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen and amen. And because I don't want to electrocute anyone, I'm going to put the mic down while we baptize. That's probably a good idea. So hang with us online. for Alex Barnett one time, wherever he's at. Come on, bro. I just pulled a yee-yee for you, Chris. That might be easier. Okay. Alex, I just see in you, man, just to speak into you for a second, I just see such strength in you a man that is uh, going to be a shield for others. Like Psalm 91 says that the Lord is a, a shield, a refuge, a fortress. I just feel like the strength that God has given you, that, that people who are in need, who are scared, broken, afraid, that you're going to be a comfort for them and a refuge. Um, but is there any testimony, man, that you want to share this morning? I'll hold the mic. No, no electrocution. Um, I'm not sure if Josh is still in the room, but I feel like he said... <laughs> like we've lived the exact same life, so to speak. Um, I was, you know, born and raised in church, and um, what he said about feeling worthy is something that really stuck with me. Um, you know, 
I've, our, our stories are so similar. Um, and over the past, I don't know, past couple months, after getting married and moving out, you know, kind of getting away from my home church, I'm so grateful for, you know, my upbringing and all that, but I just feel like I've done a whole lot of maturing and exactly what you're talking about today about, um, you know, denying yourself. I've been trying so hard, just like Josh was saying, you know, I got to make sure I'm worthy enough before I decided to get baptized. And I'm so grateful for my family, you know, my parents, they're all here. Um, they instilled in me that this was going to be my decision, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad, you know, behalf of my wife and I, we want to thank our families for coming out here um, and supporting us um, as we kind of get to do this together. I'm so grateful that I get to get baptized with my wife. That's so awesome. Um, and I'm so proud of her and you know, the journey that she's, um, she's, you know, the race that she's running as well. And I'm so glad we get to do it together. And yeah, I'm just ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to be a new creation, honestly, man. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Give it up for Alex one time. That's amazing. Hey, let's pray for him. The good news is this water doesn't make you a new creation, but the power of the Holy Spirit already has, man. This is just a demonstration of what God has and will continue to do in your life. So let's just pray for Alex. Lord, I thank you for him and the strength that you've given him. But it's not just physical, Lord, it's spiritual. He is resilient, God. That he is always choosing to get back up after he's been knocked down. That he has a determination for life covenant with you, with his wife, Lord, and you're just going to continue to honor that. I pray, Lord, even when he does grow weary, that Isaiah 40 says that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, Lord. Bless him today, Lord. We rebuke the enemy and all the plans he has against him. We proclaim he will be victorious in Christ. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. amazing to see a married couple decide together. Isn't that beautiful? That forever this decision you guys are making is going to change your marriage, your household, the spirit uh, that's in your household, you know, the Holy Spirit's just going to beautifully flow through you guys. And even if, if God willing, God wants to give you guys kids, how beautiful you can look back to this day and say, we made a decision that for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Can I get an amen wherever he just went? Come on, bro. Give it up for that. Give it up for them. That's amazing. Any testimony you want to share? That's okay. That's okay. Let's pray for Natalie this morning.
Leanza, do you want to pray for her? Are your hands dry? Father, we thank you so much for Natalie. Lord, we ask that you just put your hands upon her right now and bless her, God. Lord, let her feel your nearness to her as you are right here with us and you are with her um, every step of the way from here on out. We love you so much, God, and we ask, Lord, that you will just um, protect her as, as the days are to come, Lord. We renounce the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, and we ask that you just guide her every step of the way, that she will see the clarity of the abundant life that you have for her, God, and her family and her husband and her we ask that you pour out your blessing on them, Lord. Let them live a life of, of strength and purity and goodness and peace. And in Jesus' name we pray.